Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is awesome to be here together to be able to celebrate God and what God is continuing to do in and through us, the church, so that we can be the people that God has called us to, so that we can live lives that honor our God and, and demonstrate the transformation that we have experienced through Jesus Christ. Hey, if you're new here, I just wanted to say a very special welcome to you. We are excited to have you join us. In us, you're going to find that we're, we, we're, we're relatively uh, cognizant of the fact that we are not perfect. We know the one who is, though, and that's Jesus. And so we want to invite you on a journey that we are already on to, to take this step toward Jesus, to be more like Jesus so that we can be transformed in who we are, so that we can embrace the new life that Jesus offers to each and every one of us. So my hope is that you'll continue to join us because we've, we've started this brand new worship series called Identity. The, the concept is that we just want to... to exude Christ in everything we do, that even our fingerprints leave behind traces of God's work in us. Uh, it comes from this image, uh, well, from a, a, a piece of art that I picked up uh, a, a few, actually a, a year, over a year ago. I picked up this piece of art, and it's a fingerprint, but the fingerprint, actually each line of the fingerprint, instead of uh, just an ink line, is a line from one of the books of the Bible. And there are 66 lines in the fingerprint and 66 books of the Bible, and it starts with the creation that God did in Genesis and ends with Alleluia in Revelation. And so our hope is that in this time that we can draw closer to God, we can understand what it is to identify as Christian, to embrace that Christ-like identity and be more like Jesus each and every moment of each and every day. And so if you are new here, you picked a great time to join us because we are, we are going to, to learn a little bit more about who God calls us to be and who we are in Jesus Christ. Uh, have you ever had a, a, a desire for a do-over? Maybe it was on the playground when you were little when you got tagged and you made that excuse, oh, my shoe was untied, we should do over. Or, or maybe it was in a video game where you died for the 800 millionth time and you decided, you know what, I've got to restart. I can't just let this one go. Uh, or uh, for me, one of the greatest gifts to golf is the concept of a mulligan right? The, the, the mulligan is just a fancy name for a do-over. You, you make a bad tee shot or a bad shot from the rough, which is where most of my shots take place, and, and you get an, an ability to, to do it again. And, you know, it depends on who you're with. If you're with people who take golf seriously, there's only like one mulligan per every nine holes. But if you go golfing with me, there could be like eight mulligans per hole, depending on how badly I'm doing and how many golf balls. I have. Uh, or maybe it's something not just uh, like a, a game of tag or a game of golf. Maybe it's not a game at all. Maybe it's something that happened to you physically that you're like, man, if I, if I could just go and have a do-over. When I was in middle school, I, I, my grandfather 
uh, and grandmother lived in Pasadena, Texas, which is just outside of Houston. And so I would go and stay with them over spring break because my parents both worked. And, and so I needed some adult supervision. Lord knows I needed more adult supervision than I had uh, and, and went out with some friends. And my grandfather, uh, the area that he lived in, everybody had land. And many of the, the kids that I hung out with had livestock. And one of them had a brand new pony. And so we had been out, uh, you know, with BB guns and slingshots doing all of the, the crazy things that uh, kids did back in the day. And, and then he took us to his house. And while we were having refreshments at his house, I noticed the pony. And it wasn't a, a, a baby horse. It was a young horse, still a pony, never been broken, which means that it had never been ridden before uh, and hadn't been trained to ride. But in my mind, none of that mattered because I had watched one too many episodes of The Lone Ranger, and in my head, I knew what needed to be done. And so I, I made the decision to uh, go and ride this horse. Now, I didn't make the decision just to, like a smart person would. Well, a smart person wouldn't have done any of this, but I didn't make the decision to try and, and uh, make this as painless as possible. I decided, because I had seen the Lone Ranger, that I was going to run up behind the horse, and I was going to jump, placing my hands on the horse's rump, and vault over onto the back of the horse to surprise the horse, because that's a good idea, and grab onto the mane, and away I would go. Long, the Lone Ranger rides again. Uh, you would hear the music in the background. It was going to be great. And in my head, I decided that this is what was going to happen. Reality turned out to be somewhat different. I ran up behind the horse. Now, fortunately, the horse did not notice what I was doing before I got to it, uh, but I vaulted only about midway up the horse. And, and for some reason, in my mind, I was going to fly so much higher, but in reality, gravity worked against me, and I couldn't jump. I was this little bitty kid, uh, jumped up, hit the back of the horse, and fell down. And while I was falling, it was then that the horse decided, I'm not having any of this. And the horse reared back and just kicked the living crud out of me. And while gravity began to take effect and I started to fall, suddenly now I am shifting directions because the horse has uh, placed his foot in a place that I didn't want the horse's foot to be. And so I fly backwards and it is as I am flying, as I am re-entering gravitational forces, as all of these things start to take place, that in my head, I am questioning all of my life decisions up to this point. And if I could have had a do-over in that moment to rewind and go back in time and not make the decision to jump on the back of that horse, I would have taken it in a heartbeat. Uh, I, I remember as I was being pumped home uh, that, that was the term that uh, you would get on the handlebars and somebody would ride their bicycle and give you a pump home. I don't know why it was called that. I don't know if it's still called that, but that's what we called it. Anyway, they gave me a bike ride home and I was in pain. And I remember my grandfather having trouble standing when we related to him what had taken place. Now, the good news was I wasn't truly injured by this other than my pride was incredibly damaged. Uh, and those kids that I was hanging out with was like, that's the stupid one. We don't necessarily want to hang out with them anymore. Uh, so so it, was, it was detrimental on so many levels. 
But my guess is that even though we might not have all had that experience, that we've all had a desire for a do-over, a desire to not do the thing that we did, a desire to not say the thing that we did, or maybe it was a desire to, uh, for a thing that we didn't do that we wish we did, or, or something we didn't say that we wish we had. And, and, and so last week we talked about this whole idea that we are sinners in need of a Savior. The good news, the good news, and, and probably the truth about most of us, uh, is that while we probably all need a, a deep, uh, deep do-over with God, the good news is that's exactly what we get through Jesus Christ. In Christ, we get a do-over with God. In Christ, we get the opportunity to re- not just restart, but do anew the thing that we had never done right to begin with. That's the gift that we receive in Jesus Christ. The hope in Christ is that we can come to a new life. We talk about this all the time, being born again in in the church. If you're new to the church and you have never heard this term before, this is a term, it's a concept that Jesus presented. We're going to get to that later. But the idea is that through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, we can be united with Christ and be born again, be made new, not in our old ways, not just a do-over from our old life, but a brand new life in Jesus Christ, where we're not subject to our past, but instead we are judged and held accountable, not by our actions, but by the actions of Christ within us. And so we've been talking about this through the lens, this whole identity series, we're looking at it through the lens of a letter that was written to, uh, by Paul to a church in Ephesus. In your Bibles, it's called the letter to the Ephesians or the epistle to the Ephesians. And we're, we're looking, uh, we're picking up right after we did last week, we looked at Ephesians 2 verses, our, uh, Ephesians 1 chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5, and this week we're looking at verses 6 through 10, and it says this in Paul's letter, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works so that one can, no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. This is the gift we receive in Jesus Christ. When we, when we hold on to this concept, when we enter into, not hold on to necessarily, but when we enter into a relationship with Christ, our past fades away and our newness in life is the gift that we receive in Jesus. We are made new. It's, it's a hard concept because when we talk about being born again or made new, it can, it can make us struggle. But 
the concept is one that Jesus himself talks us through and one that the disciples, all of the apostles, those that followed Jesus, that were given the, the power to lead Christ's church and embraced their new lives in Christ. It is they who, who wrote these things down and who demonstrate for us what some of this looks like. And in a letter that Peter wrote, it's called First Peter, very cleverly named. Uh, but in First Peter, it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God in His great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, or fade. It is the new life that we are invited to, this new hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Now, again, if you are new to the church and none of this makes a whole lot of sense, you're not alone in your confusion. It's not some concept that was very common in the day of Jesus either. Actually, Jesus goes to this guy named Nicodemus's house uh, back when he was still doing his earthly ministry, when he was teaching his disciples, he was called to a meeting with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was one of the teachers of the law. He was very respected and well-known, and, and Nicodemus was curious about Jesus. And so he calls this meeting, and Jesus goes to the meeting, and in the meeting, uh, Jesus says, hey, if you want to have true life, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus was like, wait, wait, uh, hold up there, Jesus. What do you mean by born again? Nicodemus was extremely confused, and he asked Jesus one of the, 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 a question that truly demonstrates it. He's like, do I, do I have to enter again into my mother's womb? How am I born again? I mean, I'm, I'm a full-grown person. I can't be born again by my mom and, and, and physically inhabit the womb and then be born. I mean, none of this makes sense. And Jesus, Jesus corrected Nicodemus' understanding of what he was saying. Jesus says this, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, hey, you got you're, you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. You have already physically been born, and that's the extent of your ability to be born again. You're, you're not going to have new cells. You're not going to have new DNA. You're not going to be re-knit together in your mother's womb. What I am talking about is something totally different. The new birth is not physical, but spiritual. The new birth is not physical. It's not being knit together again in the womb. It is a spiritual birth, that it is brand new life in you, and it is a gift by water and the Spirit. When Jesus talks about by water and the Spirit is by baptism, but the baptism not of physical water necessarily, but of the presence of the Holy Spirit. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, when we recognize that we truly are sinners in need of a Savior, and we turn to God and we say, God, we need you. We need you because we can't do it on our own. It, it, is, it is in that moment that we can receive new life 
in Jesus Christ. This is God's mulligan or God's do-over that, that is, it enables us to enter into a relationship with God our Father, and it, it removes from us the burden of our sin and brokenness. It does this because that is what Jesus' life, death, and resurrection were all about. Jesus gave himself over for us so that by his death and resurrection, we could die to our sin and be raised to new life in Jesus Christ. And, and the truth is that God desires relationships so much that he won't hold back even his only son so that through his death and resurrection, we could have that new life, that atonement in Jesus Christ. And, and here's the deal. You know, we're talking about a do-over. It's not just a do-over, it's a new-over. Now I know that sounds corny, and I thought it sounded corny when I wrote it, but it's true. It's not just that we are doing it, we have an opportunity to do it again with the same tools and same things that we had before. No, when we are made new in Christ, we then have a tool that we had never had before, and that is the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. That new life in Jesus Christ is the newness of the Spirit of God that dwells within us and guides and directs us and helps us to take step after step in the direction of the one who has called us into relationship, God, our Father. And it is in that time, in that moment, when we experience that new life that we can realize that we are brand new. We are not the same as we ever have been, but we are made new in the life that Jesus offers us. And, and Paul articulates this very well in 2 Corinthians, which is another letter he wrote to the church in Corinth that says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. It's an invitation to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness and for the justification of our sins so that we can be made new in Him. And when we find our identity in Jesus, it is because we have been made new in Him. That His life, death, and resurrection, all of the work that He has put into it is what makes us new. Now, maybe you're sitting out there and you're thinking, man, I, this, uh, maybe you're accidentally here. Maybe you didn't grow up in the church. Maybe uh, none of this is something that you have heard before. And if that's the case, the reason that you are here is because God has called you here. And if you are here and you've been in the church for your entire life, and yet you're paying more attention now because maybe, maybe you never really took that step across the line of faith, or you've just been doing things your own way and, and, and haven't really tried to allow God to make you new from the inside out. The truth is this, the hope is this. You, you can be made new in Jesus Christ. If you're struggling and trying to find a way to a better life, Jesus has the answer. If you're confused and broken upon the shore of the reality of this world, Jesus can give you newness of life and a hope and, and a peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus wants to make you new. 
That's the gift that we receive in Christ. Last week we talked about we're all sinners and and we need a Savior, but the good news is the Savior has come. Jesus offered himself, his life, death, and resurrection to embody or to empower us to have that new life in Christ, to, to be able to be defined not by our past, but by Christ's righteousness in us. We can come to life in Christ and we can live by faith through grace. Now, I know that there are so many examples that we can read about. We can uh, take, take some time reading through scriptures or hear, hear of other people. But my guess is that you know someone, that you know somebody that has had an experience in the presence of God. And the truth is, I am that someone. I didn't have to read about somebody else's transformation. I didn't have to read about that. I didn't have to hear somebody else share that with me. I have experienced it. I was one way, and now I'm another. And the thing that happened in between was Jesus. He made a difference in my life by calling me from death to new life, from brokenness to hopefulness, from what I was to what I am. And it's not because he has given me just a do-over. It's because I am a totally different person because of the reception that I have of Jesus Christ. By the power of his Holy Spirit, I have been made new. It is no longer my past that defines me, but the righteousness of Christ within me. And the truth is, you can have that too. God offers this to each and every one of us. God, this is the whole purpose of Jesus, to recognize that that we were one way. And if you desire to be another, the thing that can change all of that is Jesus Christ. So my, my prayer for each and every one of us, my hope for us is that you would truly receive that gift, that you would not let anything hold you back. If you are here today and you have never heard the the truth of the gift of new life in Christ, I, I pray that you will embrace it. God makes it easy to receive. All you have to do is say, God, I need you. God, I need you. And and God will make that happen for you right here and right now. And if you are are that person, God, I, I just pray that God would pour his spirit out upon you and that he would encourage you to take that step. And if you've been in the church for your entire life, maybe you've drifted away, maybe you haven't really embraced the, the you've just been present, but not truly embracing the life that Jesus has for you. I hope that you will receive this gift as well, that you will allow God to do a good and powerful work in you so that you can say, I was one way, but now I'm different. And the thing that happened in between was Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, we give you praise and thanksgiving for Jesus Christ, for the hope that we have in you, for the promise of new life, for our ability to find our identity in you. Not because our old, old self is okay in you, but no, because you offer to us a brand new life, a new life promised to us 
through Christ Jesus by water and the Spirit, a new life in which we can be more like you. We can embrace the hope that we have received in Christ Jesus, and we can go from this place sharing that hope and promise. Father, by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, make us new in your image. Remake us, reform us. Let us be more like Jesus Christ. And God, I do pray that if someone is out there that that has heard these words from you, not from me, but your words of life, the promise and the hope that we have in you, God, I pray that you would soften their hearts, that you would encourage them by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit to take that line, that step across the line of faith, to, to recognize their desperate need for you and, and to embrace the new life, the hope, and the promise that we receive in Jesus Christ. We pray this together in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. And all of us agreed and said, amen.